Uh, we're talking about ever since January about peace, and tonight we want to look at the blessing of peace. We're coming out of Numbers chapter 6. In the book of Numbers, God is revealing to Moses the ways in which to worship and the ways in which to set things up in Israel once they get to the promised land and how to, you know, just various laws and how to set up the tabernacle and, and all the different things that the people needed to know from God about how to serve Him and be obedient to Him and how to live and, and just a lot of things in Numbers. And so it comes to a very short place there in Numbers chapter 6 at the end of the chapter after he's getting through the, talking about the Nazarite vow and the Nazarenes and the purpose of them. And so then in Numbers chapter 6 verse 22, God said this, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, who was the chief priest, if you want to refer to him as that, the priest, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. And then he said, say to them, so he's telling Moses, to give Aaron some instructions about how to bless the people of Israel. I mean, of all things to think about, you mean we're going to receive a blessing from God and here's how we receive it and here's the way it's going to happen? And answers yes. So he said, Here's what you say to them. Here's how you tell Israel about the blessings that are coming to them from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. That's it. I mean, well, it's just the beginning. It's short. You're going to see it's very short anyway. But the Lord bless you and keep you as it begins. So what does it mean, first of all, by bless you? The word bless you means to provide everything you need. So when God says, I want to bless you, I want to give you blessings, I want to bless your life, he's saying, I want to provide everything you need. And so many times in the world in which we live, we find it hard to get to some people and tell people about Jesus, tell people about God, tell people about God providing for them because a lot of people are saying, who needs God? I'm really self-sufficient. I mean, I got everything I need. I got a place to live, got something to drive, I got a job, I got some money in the bank, very little, but a little bit. And, uh, you know, I got all I need. I'm doing okay. Who needs God? And God says, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm your provider. Everything you have comes from me, and you need to realize it comes from me. But so many times people say, I'm the one that earned this. I'm the one that made myself. Uh, we, we've heard the term for many years, or I have anyway, that I am a self-made man. You know, a lot of people have said that. I've heard it through the years. You see it on TV, you see it on movies, you see it in people in writing and so forth. But people say that. People say, I'm a self-made man. I, did, I had nothing. I grew up in nothing. I had nothing when I was growing up. And now look at me. And, and I'm successful and got all this. And I'm a self-made man. Meaning all the credit belongs to me as to what I got, what I've accumulated. Totally missing out on what God says and what God wants. That God says everything you got came from me or you wouldn't have it. And so he's saying the blessing that comes to you, let the Lord bless you, means the Lord's going to provide everything you need. And they understood that very clearly as they wandered in the desert 40 years because if God didn't provide the manna every day, they wouldn't have had any. If God didn't provide the quail every day, they wouldn't have had any. If God didn't provide the water every day, they wouldn't have had any. And so the blessing is that God says, I'm going to provide everything you need. And he told them then and he tells us today the same thing. I'm going to provide everything you need, but we're going to see some stipulations with that as we go forward. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, just to go along with that. Peter said, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. When we get Jesus, when we're saved, born again, Jesus lives in heart, got the Holy Spirit living in us, 
We've got everything we need. Jesus doesn't have to give us anything else because he says here is divine power to give us everything we need. So now, when you see the word everything there in the Greek language in the Bible, what does everything mean? Everything, okay. <laughs> More than enough. Plenty. Blessings from God. I'm providing you everything you need. And so when he says here, everything we need comes from God because we've got his power, the Holy Spirit living in us, we've got all we need anyway. Even if we're living outside in a tent and just barely have enough food for the week, we've got everything we need. So, well, I could use a few more of this and a few more of that. Well, if that's the case, then we need to take Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 out of the Bible. Because the Bible says, Peter said, God said, His divine power, God's power has given us everything we need. Oh, wait a minute. For life and godliness. Okay. So many times we think, I need more than what I'm getting. I'm just not getting what I need from God. I need a little bit more. God, could you provide me some more? Uh, I mean, I can't be godly enough without some more. You got to get, feed me more. You got to, you know, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, feed me. I don't know how to get through life. I don't know how to be godly without some more. And God says, I've already given it to you. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. Aren't you born again? Aren't you saved? Don't you have Jesus living in you? Well, yeah. Well, you got everything you need. you got all that you need. I've provided for you to have life and have godliness through your knowledge of Jesus, who called you by his own glory and his goodness, his grace and his blessing. And so in the blessing then, uh, to get back to it, the Lord bless you and keep you. He's saying then to keep you simply means to protect you. He says, I'm going to provide for you by blessing you, but I also want to keep you. That is, I want to protect you. I want to observe you. God says, I want to observe everything you do. Can you imagine God just following us around all day? Everything we do in a whole day, in a whole week, a whole month, a whole year, and a whole lifetime, Jesus says, I just want to observe you. I just want to follow you around, just see what you do at work. See what you do at school, see what you do out in the yard, see what you do at home, see what you do when you go to Walmart. I just want to observe everything that you do. Now that's real comforting, isn't it? That God wants to observe everything we do and see us day in and day out, nighttime, daytime, morning, noon, and night. That He just wants to observe our activities, our actions, where we go, what we do, what we say, how we act how we react. He just says, I want to observe you. So by observing us, he says, I want to just keep you. That means I'm observing everything. I want to watch over you. I want to look over what you're doing. I want to protect you. I want to see that your needs are being met. But I also want to guard you. I want to guard you from things going on around you that you need to, you're not aware of sometimes. I want to guard you. I want to protect you. I want to watch over you. But I even want to observe you. And so in Jesus, to go along with that, Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Jesus, on the night he was arrested in the garden there, he's praying, and he's praying for his disciples that evening, but he's also praying for us as he's thinking into the future. God, he's talking to the Father, and he said, Father, I don't want you to take my disciples, my followers, out of the world. I don't want you to just save them today. And by nightfall, they're, they're in heaven with you. I don't want you to do that, Father. I want you to save them, but then I want you to protect them from the evil one. For the next number of years, whatever they have from the time of salvation to the time of death, during that time span, I just want you to protect them from the evil one. 
You know, I don't want you to just take them out and they'll save and come to heaven with you. I want you to leave them here to do the work you sent them here to do. And along the way, make sure you're protecting them from the evil one. Who's the evil one? Satan is. The devil. And he says, while you've got them here in this world, protect them, observe them, watch over them, guard them from the evil one. And God says, I'll do that very thing. I'll make sure that Satan can't get to them. Well, Second Timothy says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. The book of Second Timothy, who wrote that? What person wrote it? Who? Paul did. Paul wrote it to whom? Timothy, young pastor, I believe at Ephesus at this time. And uh, as Paul's writing to this young pastor, Timothy, uh, Paul is writing from a prison. And as far as we know in history, this would be the last letter Paul ever wrote. He would die very soon after this. He would be killed. He'd be murdered by the Roman government. And so he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you know what? I'm in jail right now. It's looking like I'm not going to make it out of the jail this time, even though he'd made it out of jail many times in his life. He said, I'm probably going to die right here. He said, you know what, Timothy? The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. And you may say, well, I don't know how he did that because uh, how many times do we find that Paul was uh, stoned by people and drug out of the city thinking he was dead and went, got up and went right back in the city? How many times did Paul say he was beaten with the rods three different times? How many times was Paul put in prison? How many times, you know, over and over, Paul went through all these difficult trying circumstances? So how could he say, say uh, Jesus is going to rescue me from every evil, evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom? Because he said there's more to life than what we're going through right now. There's eternal life in heaven. And so he says, we're going to have to go through suffering. We're going to have to go through hard times. We're going to go through difficulties here in this world. But through it all, here's what's going to happen. The Lord is rescuing me from every evil attack and bringing me safely home to my heavenly kingdom. Satan can't get me. Satan can't prevent me. Satan can't pull me away from God and destroy me. He cannot kill me. He cannot destroy me. And he cannot overcome me because... The one who is in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater, more stronger than the one who is in the world, meaning the evil one. And so he can't stop us going from going to heaven. He will not be able to keep us from going safely to the heavenly kingdom. And God will rescue us from his attacks. And so to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so as we observe the verse there, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's what he's talking about. He's blessing us and he's keeping us even today as we go through our life. And then he goes in verse 25, part of the blessing says, The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. When the Lord's face shines upon us, what does that mean? It simply means he wants to deliver us from oppression. You think you've ever been oppressed? If you've been oppressed or you know somebody who's been oppressed, what, what does that mean anyway? They feel oppressed. What, what is that? Beaten down. Heaviness on us. Pushed down. Pushed aside. Feeling unimportant. Just, just a weight on us. Just a heaviness on us. Something's going on in our life. Maybe we know what it is. Maybe we don't. But it's just things going on around us that... I just feel so heavy. I just feel so weighted down. I just feel oppressed. 
you know, it's this, it's that, all these things happening in my life, things going on. And so God says, I want my face to shine upon you. That's part of my blessing to shine my face upon you. I want to deliver you from your oppression. In other words, I want to give you victory over your enemy. And so when we are oppressed, our enemy is having victory over us. As a Christian, we should never be defeated at all, any time, zero, should we ever be defeated. But you know, sometimes we are. And we get oppressed, we get depressed, we let the world cave in on us, if you want to look at it that way, or surround us, or put a heaviness on us. And God says, I want my face to shine upon you. I want to deliver you from that oppression. I want to give you victory over your enemy. And that's part of my blessing, he said. It's like Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God said, I want my light to shine in your life. And my light shines in your life through Jesus living in you, through his glory, seeing the face of Christ. Delivering us from oppression, giving us victory over our enemy. Ephesians 5.14 says, For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. And so we get into that darkness of oppression sometimes, the darkness of depression, and God says, I need my light to shine on you. I need to bring you out of that. And that's part of the blessing that he gives to us, letting his light shine our life so we can be brought up out of that oppression, waking up from the dead, Letting the light shine on us, moving forward. In that verse 25 there, number says also to be gracious to you. Uh, kindly, the word gracious means kindly action of love expressed by God to those who do not deserve it nor have earned it. So when God says, I want my blessing on you, meaning my graciousness on you, he said, I want kindly action of love given to you. Not just love, not just kindness, but kindly action of love, showing it, revealing it, letting us realize that, oh, you, you do love us, don't you, because you're, you're showing us. Kind of like with people. Every now and then, every once in a while, people will say, I love you. But every now and then, and every once in a while, people will also show somebody they love them by doing acts of kindness for somebody. Don't they? Don't we? I mean, uh, you do, don't you? you? You have somebody you love and somebody you care about, so... Every now and then, every once in a while, you do some kind of act of kindness toward that person, don't you? You're showing your love. That's what God does. Kindly action of love expressed by God to those who, oh, wait a minute, do not deserve it nor have earned it. You mean to tell me that you and I do not deserve kindly action of love from God? I mean, as good as we are, I mean, as nice and kind as we are, we don't deserve God's action of love toward us. I mean, look how wonderful we are. We're just precious, sweet, innocent people, aren't we? And we deserve God's acts of kindness every single day because look how good we are. <laughs> Sometimes, that's right. <laughs> and God says, wait a minute, we're all sinners. And so he says, we don't deserve his kindly action of love, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. And we haven't earned it. We haven't done enough things in a day's time by the end of the day See, God, look what all I've done for you today. Now, don't I deserve some acts of kindness from you? Come on. And he says, no, you ain't done enough. And so we hadn't earned it. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. Isn't that amazing that God loves us anyway, in spite of our own selves? And so that's part of that blessing that God is saying in there in Numbers chapter 6. 
And so we look at John chapter 1, verse 16, it goes with it. From the fullness of his grace, God's grace, grace of Jesus, we have all received one blessing after another. Now, sometimes we have a hard time looking at our blessings, don't we? Because we look at all the bad stuff. Look what happened yesterday. Look what happened last week. About the time I thought I was getting through this, here comes something else. You know, we go through all those things we look at that are going on around us, and yet God says, hold on, wait a minute, I've been blessing you through it all. Don't you see it? Don't you see the fullness of my grace that's been received by you, giving you blessings one after the other? For the law was given through Moses, like we're reading there in Numbers, but wait a minute, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace, getting what we don't deserve. Grace, giving it to us anyway. Grace, loving us anyway. Giving you the truth through Jesus Christ. And so he says, they're giving you the fullness of grace, giving you all the truth, and it comes through Jesus. And so there's fullness in our life as a result. So then he closes in that blessing there, number 626. The Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so here's the final part of the blessing that Moses was told by God to tell Aaron, here's how you bless the Israelites. The last part of it said, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now we already looked at uh, his face shine upon you, deliver us from our oppression, give us victory over our enemy. But now he says, my face turn towards you. So what does that mean? Something different. His face turning toward us means that God wants to Pay attention to every detail of our life and take pleasure in what he notices, resulting in smiling upon us. He wants to look at every little detail of our life. You know, the small things we do, the little things we do day in and day out. You know, just, I don't know, what, tying our shoes? God says, I want to look at every detail of everything you do in your life, every single day. And as he looks at the details and every little thing we do every day, he wants to take pleasure in what he notices we're doing, the little details, and he wants the result to be a smiling on us. When people look at you and smile, or why would people look at you and smile? What, what's bringing a smile on a person's life when they look at somebody? Because you've done something dumb, okay, well. All right, that could be one reason somebody smiles at you when they look at you, that you've done something dumb, okay. Any other reasons that somebody might look at you and smile? <laughs> glad to see you, yeah. I'm sure glad to see you. And so when you see somebody that maybe you hadn't seen since this morning or last week, you, you greet them with a smile, don't you? Hello, how are you? And, and you're kind of smiling as you say it. So you're glad to see somebody, okay? Yeah, just trying to be friendly, trying to be nice. You know, hey, how are you? And you just greet that person and you're smiling and, and you're just being friendly toward them. And so being friendly, you hadn't seen them in a while and trying to catch up. Any other reasons? Innocence. Innocence. All right, you're going to have to explain more. Innocence is in uh, not being no good or evil. Okay, I got you. Doing right. Okay, you're doing right, the right thing, and so I'm smiling at you. You, you did a great job. That is so good what you did. You made an A in school. You made an A on that test, or or you did that great job. You you completed that task. You know, and all those different things that we look at people and say things about what they've done and, and noticing it, those details, and we begin to smile. And so then, for the person receiving the smile, 
because of these things you're saying there? How does that person act or react or feel about receiving that smile from the different individuals that are smiling at you? Feels good, doesn't it? You like it when people smile at you because you realize they're approving of you. They're building you up. They're encouraging you. They're saying something. They're doing something. They're smiling because they appreciate something you've done or an accomplishment or a task has been completed. I mean, that sometimes that's all it takes, doesn't it? That, boy, they, they really appreciate what I did. They, they really thought a lot of that. They didn't say a whole lot, but I noticed from the smile that they approved of me, and we walk away from there feeling good, don't we? Same thing with God. God says, part of my blessing towards you is that I would turn my face towards you, pay attention to every detail of your life, take pleasure in what I see in every de- detail of your life that results in smiling on you. And so we see that happen with God in our life, don't we? Because when He pays attention to every little detail of our life, He approves of it, doesn't He? And He smiles upon us then, doesn't He? I mean, He would never look at any detail in your life and say, why did you do that? What were you thinking when, when you did this? Why did you say that? I heard that word or those words. I saw that action, that activity. Why would you do that? He's not smiling then, is he? But we want to pay attention to every detail of our life because we know God is paying attention to every detail of our life. And we would like for him to be smiling upon every detail of our life, approving of what we do and what we say and how we live, right? So that's part of the blessing that he's turning his face toward us. And finally, as we get to our key word we're using all years, give you peace. Part of that blessing is the last part of it. I want to give you peace. The result of God smiling upon us by giving us peace, which is completeness, unity, well-being, security, and wholeness. And so we looked at the definition of peace since January. And peace means this, that it means we're complete. Wait, God's looking at every detail of my life. He's approving of it and He's smiling upon it. I can sense it, I can feel it, I can know it because I look at every detail of my life too and I see what I'm doing for Him and we feel complete, don't we? Because we have His peace. We feel there's unity between us and God because He's looking at every detail of our life, smiling upon it, turning His face toward us, checking us out, protecting us, watching over us and we feel unity with Him, don't we? We have that well-being, you know, just we feel good about ourselves, feel good about our relationship with Christ. We feel like we're okay because He's approving every detail of our life and shining and smiling upon us. And then we have that security, that we feel secure with God, that we feel secure in our relationship with Him, that we feel like we can go to Him with anything. He's going to approve of it because He's looking at every detail of our life and He's smiling on us, giving us security. You know, too many times in our society we hear about a term, or I hear it anyway, you're really insecure in that relationship, aren't you? I'm feeling real insecure in our relationship right now. Now, why would anybody in this world ever feel insecure in a relationship with another person? What brought it on? Why, why would you do that? Not sure? Any ideas? Maybe, sort of, kind of, not real. 
Can't trust them. You know what you did last night? You know what you did this morning? You know what you did today? I can't trust you in that. Not right now. And so because that trust is not there, there's, there's an insecurity here in our relationship <laughs> where it's not as close as we ought to be, as we should be, could be, would be, because there's trust broken here. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know where this is leading. I don't know where it's going. And so if that mistrust continues day by day, week by week, month by month, then that insecurity grows. I'm not sure they love me anymore. I'm not sure they like me anymore. I'm not sure they want to be with me anymore. I'm not sure they're going to leave. I'm not sure, you know. We're just not sure of a lot of things. And so we can have that insecurity. But God says, no, <laughs> not with me. He said, I want to give you that peace. I want to give you that security. Because even though we might feel insecure in other relationships with people, He says, I never want you to feel insecurity with me. I want you to always feel secure that I'm going to be right there with you. You can trust me. You can lean on me. You can depend on me at all times and always. But then finally, to give us that wholeness in life, that there's something missing. Sometimes we feel like there's just something missing in my life. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. I know. I don't have peace right now in my life. I don't have this wholeness in my life because there's just something missing. But yet, God's smiling upon me, giving me the peace I need. So therefore, I have wholeness as a result. And finally, to finish it up, John 14, 27, Jesus said, again, that night he was arrested. With his disciples, he says, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I give you my security, I give you my wholeness, I give you that well-being, I give you that unity, I give you that completeness. He said, I don't give as the world gives. I don't give peace like the world gives. The world gives insecure peace. The world gives unity for a while. The world gives well-being, well, today anyway. And the world gives wholeness mm, part of the time. But he said, I don't give as the world gives. So therefore, don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Don't live with a troubled heart this week. We don't have to because God wants to bless us and give us peace. Don't be afraid this week. Don't live in fear. We don't have to because God wants to give us peace and wholeness of life and security, well-being, unity, and completeness as a result of our relationship with Him. Let Him bless you this week.